This year, we've talked about seeing the king in 2015. That's our desire. We want to see the king in 2015. He comes in many ways, and uh, we need to be sensitive enough to recognize as he comes and as he's coming into our lives and as he's there. You know, the Bible talks about that, uh, be careful that we entertain angels unaware. Um, you know, sometimes uh, the Lord might give us opportunities to, to do something, and he's behind it. And uh, if we are responsive and sensitive, we, perhaps we might see him and see his character as we are obedient. But uh, in this seeing the king in 2015, one of the things that he desires, the love gift that the Father gives back to Christ is the bride. Now, we know that, that God loves us, right? And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God's love gift to us or to humanity is what? Is Jesus. But God has a love gift that he wants to give back to Jesus, and that's the bride of Christ. That's the group of believers who have placed him first, have put Christ first in their life, have set him apart as bridegroom. And we've seen through a series that we've uh, finished up called the Seven in, uh, End Time Churches, and we took a look at the attitudes of each one of those churches, and we found that some of them, they started out well, but they lost their first love. The church of Ephesus said that, you know, they were doing great, but uh, they got caught up with just playing church, just being the church, and they lost their first love. That's easy to do. Some uh, were so far removed from him that he's uh, there in the Laodicean church. It says, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I mean, Jesus was outside the, the door wanting to get in. And so sometimes... In church, we just get caught up in doing our own thing, and we set a certain time frame, and we, we nail it down, and, and we got to do our thing that we just kind of push him out of the way and, and uh, don't have much time for him. And that's the way that the church is really in the day and age that we're living in. In Isaiah, we saw in Isaiah chapter 4 that uh, it was talking about the there was these seven uh, women had come to this one man and said, you know, hey, want to be your bride, want to be your wife? Look, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to clothe us. You don't have to feed us. You don't have to do anything. Just remove our reproach. In other words, keep us, you know, marry us so that we're not re at reproach from, from not being married. And that's kind of the way the church is today. Oh, Lord, you don't have to do anything extra. You know, I can do Bible study on my own. I can listen to a podcast or I can do this or I can do that. Um, you don't have to clothe me, you know, your, your character. I mean, you don't have to do anything extra. Just... I just want to be saved so that, you know, I know I got that secured and I'll live with you forever. And um, he does, you know, if we believe on him, we know that we're going to have eternal life. The problem is, is that we're missing out on a lot right here. And we also miss out on the opportunity that he gives to the Philadelphia church, the one that has put him first as being, he, him being uh, their first love. He says, because you have kept the word of my patience, and have not denied my name, I will keep you from that hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world, to try those upon the whole world. So there's a promise to that church, that uh, as the bride, that he'll take them out before that seven-year tribulation. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, our Pastor Clem Foster used to say, I'm looking for a hole in the sky, not a hole in the ground. Amen? We want to go upward. But in Colossians chapter 3, if you're there, verse 1 says... Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I want you to think about that. See then, uh, you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, as I said in... Uh, Seeing the king in 2015, this theme that we've had, we've focused around the issues of living and overcoming life. We focused on living a life as the bride of Christ because that's what we want to do. We want to prepare you to be the bride of Christ, uh, to uh, be one those that are, are taken, you know, not left, as in Matthew speaks about, that there was 
uh, two grinding at a mill. One was taken, the other left. One, you know, there was two men, and there were various things. This one was taken, the other left. And so I want you to be ready, prepared for it. But let me ask you a question. How do you... Um, how, do you, how are you doing on a day-in and day-out basis with this thing of living and overcoming life, living as the bride of Christ? How's that working for you? You know, there's a challenge along that line. So how's that working out for you? On a day-in and a day-out basis, um, you got it down or is it a challenge? Um, well, that's okay. Thank you. That makes it look official. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Um, what does it mean to be raised with Christ? He said there, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What does that mean, to be raised with Christ? You feel that you've been raised with Christ? Living this overcoming life? Do you feel like that no matter what comes your way, that uh, you step back and say, yeah. You feel like, I, man, I hit it out of the park on that one. Yeah, we got that one down. Um, what does it mean to, to set your hearts on things above? That's what he says there. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your, your hearts on things above. What does that mean? Setting your hearts on things above. How are you doing along that line? Now, to live this overcoming life, do you kind of have somewhere in the back of your mind like, well, yeah, man, that's a boring life. You know, that's, that kind of cuts everything out. It just cuts all the fun out of it, you know. Um, or to do that, you know, I got to get away someplace. You got to be a monk. I mean, you just got to separate yourself from the whole world. If you're going to live an overcoming life, there's just no way you can have interaction with anybody because, you know, everybody I come in contact with is a heathen and there's no way... I can live in overcoming life. Well, hey, if everybody that you come in contact with is a heathen, then you, all you got to do is have a little bit of light and you ought to be overcoming, right? What about that? Is, it, is living this overcoming life, is it boring? Is it supposed to be boring? He tells us here, he says, um, set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. How can you do that? How can you actually do that i mean we just got a lot of things going on right there's just a lot of things going on i mean so does that mean that i mean man i mean no other thoughts can come into my mind it just has to be on thinking about you know heaven and things above and thinking about christ is that what that means is that even possible like i said no well if i was you know john they got cast out to the Isle of Patmos, and yeah, that, you know, that, that'd be it. I, I could do that. But I'm in this world, and there's a lot of things that come my way. There's a lot of things on my plate. I got a lot of decisions that need to be made, and so I don't know about this set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Maybe you find these thoughts coming through your mind that says, and you hear this little voice that says, yeah, I tried that, and it don't work. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that, and that ain't that doesn't work. Uh, and I can't. I, I've tried it, and there's no way I can do it. So there's not even worth. It's not even worth trying. So just I just mark it off, say forget it, and I'm just going to do the best I can, and um, that's all I can do. I'm just going to do the best I can. God, God will have to. He'll understand somehow or another. He'll understand that old song that used to be an old hymn song. We'll understand it better by and by. But will God understand it better by and by? No, he, he understands it right now. Um, this message today is a very important message because it's a very practical message. It's, it's a very um, principled, uh, Christian principled message on how you can make this that we're talking about a reality, living and overcoming life, living as the bride of Christ, we want to talk about how you can make this a reality in your life and be ready to be the bride of Christ. Romans 19.7, his wife or his bride, the bride hath made herself ready. Does it take work? Yes, it does. It takes some discipline. Anything that, that you strive for takes discipline in our life. So now let's take a look kind of at the, at the, the scriptures in Colossians 3, 1 through 14. 
Keep those questions in mind. Maybe you answered them to yourself. And uh, maybe you have a real high score there. Maybe you're like, well, I didn't do too good on that. Um, well, let's see what the Bible has to say. See what we can pull out of this. Let's sidewalk this thing. Let's bring it up to where we live today and see how we can do this. So back again in verse 1, Colossians 3 says, since, since then you have been raised with Christ. And I would underline that if I was you. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Underline hidden. Verse 4. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death... Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You need to walk in these, you, you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now, everybody say, but now. But now. Say it again. But now, but now you must Rid yourselves of all such things as these, colon, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Wow. Is that for us today? Can we take some scissors? And maybe cut that out and kind of repaste it a little bit. And maybe make it for us to, I mean, Jesus, or Paul, when he wrote this, you know, he, he was living a whole different time. And he didn't know what we have to go through. Is this really for us? I mean, let's take a look at this and see, see what's up here. How do we live this overcoming life? Paul just told us some things to do. How do we go bring it about in our daily life? In Titus, Paul told Titus in the first chapter, in verse 16 of Titus, he says, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny Him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Ouch. That still pertains to believers today. Since they claim to know God... But by their actions, they deny him. You know, to people that you work with, associate with, come in contact with in some particular way, maybe your kids are in sports together with somebody, uh, your neighbor, you, maybe you run into people when you're shopping or wh whatever, however you, you, know, you interact or whatever. Uh, you know, they might, hopefully they don't say this, that, you know, huh, well, yeah, well, they, they claim to know God, but... Well, you sure couldn't tell it by the way they live. Sure couldn't tell it by their actions. He goes on to say, they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Not a good statement. You think it's something that we ought to pay attention to on how to live this overcoming life? You know, there's a promise that goes along with this. And the promises is given to that Philadelphia church that he's going to keep us from the hour of trial that comes upon the whole world. That's, that's awesome right there. But, you know, that's, that's yet future. 
And that, is, that in itself is worth it, okay, to, to be able to escape the things that are going to happen during that time is worth it. But yet, I believe it's worth it right now. And here's, but, but I think that we got a problem in being able to, to follow along this thing, living this overcoming life. And I think it's because we have an identity crisis. I think, I think we don't know who we are. You know, I, and I don't know if we really know if we can identify with Christ or not. You know, well, that was Jesus. I mean, you know, he was the son of God. I mean, you know, who am I? Well, aren't you a, a child of God? Aren't you an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ? Aren't you created to be in his own image? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It says it will quicken or make alive your mortal body. Aren't we to be changed from glory to glory? Now, how good do you have to be to be in the bridal company? How good is good? It says without spot or, or wrinkle, boy. I don't know if oil of the Olay works or not. Maybe uh, Cindy can help us with some stuff from uh, Ultra or whatever it is. <laughs> Ultra, you know, uh, I got a lot of spots and wrinkles that need to be covered up. If that's the, but it's not talking about out, outward appearances is talking about our spirit our soul without spot or blemish is it something that we need to take a look at it is and it's not something that we need to just look at every once in a while or when the pastor well here we go again we're going to talk about that overcoming life and i there's just no way i can do that you know that's like somebody you know coming up and They've lost whatever, you know, then they look like just they're in perfect shape and they're telling you, you know, that you need to exercise. And you say, well, duh, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> like, well, there's no way I could ever get there, you know, or whatever. Um, sometimes we put this to a point and Satan makes us think that this is unattainable. It's unreachable because of who we are. Well, because of my situation, or because of what I've come from, or because of my past, there's just no way I can do this now. If, if I hadn't done such and such, then I might have been able to do this. But because of, of what's behind me, I don't know if I can do what's before me. That's not right. You know, the old is gone, the new has come. That's what the Bible says. The old is gone, the new is, is, has come. You know, let your past go and begin to walk in a newness of life. So as we look at this, the very first thing that we need to do is understand what our position is as a believer. What is our position in this thing? If we're going to live this overcoming life. If we're going to uh, walk as the bride of Christ, we're going to, to attain that position. We need to understand what our position is. Understand who we are. Let's, let's not suffer an identity crisis. And basically what this really involves, it involves a couple of doctrines that's called, one is called justification, the other is identification, you know, identifying with Christ. And so let's, let's go back and look at this again. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Who are you really? Who are you really? You've been raised with Christ. Now, see, God sees us one particular way, and we see ourselves another way. You ought to be thankful. Are y'all freezing to death? Huh? Some, some of you are. Not. I don't know if it's too cold or not. I'm, I'm fine, but I just kind of noticing. I don't know if you're, like, getting, like, scared that I'm preaching this word, and you're just <laughs> scared to the bone, or if you're all right. <laughs> um, you know... Who are you really? You ought to be glad that God sees you in a particular way. God cannot look on sin. Therefore, he cannot look on us the way we are in our everyday life. And so what God does, a couple of things, and it's called substitution and identification. And it's a wonderful thing that he does. It's by his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. A lot of works, less than any man should boast. We could be boasting on, well, I don't, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I, 
you know, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls that do. Well, bless your heart. You know, that ain't going to get you to heaven. <laughs> um, let's take a look back. We need to look back a little bit here in Colossians and see what he says. Colossians chapter 2, just go back one chapter, verses 20 through 23, and see what Paul says there. Because he said that since then you've been raised with Christ. Well, if we've been raised with him, we've got to figure out, we've got to take a look back a little bit. Verse 20 of chapter 2, Colossians says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you, do you submit to its rules? And I'll, I would add, and to its cravings. If you died with Christ, why do you submit to those cravings or to those rules? And he was talking to them about, you know, trying to follow the certain rules of uh, the, the Jewish rules of keeping a certain, certain days and, and certain feasts and uh, circumcision and various things like that that were, you know, things that they would... Things that they would do that would make them righteous. And he says, he said, since you died with Christ to the, very, to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? And our application is going to be, or submit to its cravings. If you died with him to the basic principles, why do you still listen to those, those cravings or those things in, in the those basic things in the natural life are the principles of this world. Um, you know, so the question is, have you died with Christ? So, well, how do you go about doing that? Have you died with Christ? How many of you think, have you died with him? How do we die with Christ? Well, here's this thing, it's called the doctrine of identification. And it's, it's, brings about this other fancy term called justification, and you've heard me teach on it. Justification, the easy way to remember that is just as if I never sinned. Justification is something that God does. It's an act. It's a sovereign act. It'd be like a, a legal act where the president gives a pardon. God, the supreme, the most high God, has, there's a, he's Take, there's an act by where he declares the believing sinner to be righteous. He gives us a pardon from sin. Martin Luther, back in the day when he wrote his 95 thesis and nailed it to the wall, the Pope was doing something. If you paid enough money to the Pope, he'd, give you, he'd write out a thing called an absolution. Basically said, that okay, you absolutely don't have any more sin. You keep giving me that money, and uh, then you're going to make it. You're going to make it all right. And Martin Luther said, that ain't right. He looked and he says, the, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And not by the rich shall get an absolution and they don't have to follow all these other things. And then they're, they're home free. That ain't how it works. No, it's not how it works. Martin Luther was right. The just shall live by faith. But the just, who are the just? How do I become just before God? How do I become clean before God? God declares you to be that way. And what do you have to do? Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that when he died, guess what? You died with him. Now you identify with him. Baptism... Water baptism is a visible action, act of an, uh, it's an outward expression of an inward work. It doesn't do any good. You can, you can go down a, 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 a dry center and come up a wet center. It don't make any difference. <laughs> it, but you have to do something inside. You have to realize that you died with Christ. And that's the symbol that just as Christ died and was buried, that we too died with him, and we are buried with him. But did he stay dead? If I was preaching and baptizing somebody right now, they'd be thinking, boy, that pastor is long-winded. Some of them you got to hold down a little longer than the others, you know. <laughs> but Christ didn't stay dead, but he rose from the dead, right? He rose up. He rose from the dead to a new life. Now, the only way to get rid of our sin is for someone to pay the price for our sin. There had to be a price had to be paid. We, 
We understand that, right? And we couldn't pay it. There's an old song, a little chorus that used to say, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. So by his death, he paid for our sin. And if we identify with his death in saying that I believe that he died on the cross and he did that for me, we identify with that, that doctrine of identification, then what God says is that that's, that's also substitution in the sense that he substitutes Christ on the cross for you, for me. Praise God for that. That God says, well, I'm going to... We need to nail Brian to the cross. You know, we need to nail T to the cross. We need to nail Paul to the cross. Yeah, we all deserve to be there. That's what it's required. But yet, God says, well, wait a minute. I'll take one, by one man, he says in Corinthians, by one man, Adam, sin came into this world. So by one man, the second Adam, Jesus, well, sin's gone. It'll pay the price. But Jesus lived the sinless life, so if I identify with him through his death and his burial and his resurrection, God says, okay, then I accept him as a substitute for you, and you don't have to do that. Literally, die on the cross and be dead, you know, and be buried. That's pretty good, isn't it? But we got to make that a reality. So... Did you have, how many of you have died with Christ? That means if you are a believer, then, you, then what you did in a sense was you died with Christ. That's the way God sees you because he can't see you as a, he can't see sin. He can't look on sin. That's why when Christ was on, on the cross, he said, Abba, Father, Daddy, why have you forsaken me? God said, because you're taking the sin of the world, and I can't look upon sin. He, and he bore the sin of the world upon his shoulders. So God accepts that, and he accepts your sin, my sin, when Christ died. So, but now then, that happened 2,000 years ago. We have to make it a reality every day. So that's called sanctification. Now, if you're in the church God of holiness, then, then that, then that uh, sanctification is something that, that's, that's what gets get you saved, keeps you saved. You know, I, I'm sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. <laughs> they even make little rings with little uh, holders on them. Put, the, put your uh, little hanky in there, so you shake that and like that, and it'll wave around a little bit, you know. People have confused sanctification and justification. They thought they were... Sanctification is a process. Now, remember, justification is an act whereby God just declares you to be righteous. You are pardoned. He declares you to be righteous based upon what Jesus did. It's done. It's settled. Now, sanctification is, is a process whereby... Each one of us now become who God sees us to be. So he does it and he accepts it that way, but there is a responsibility and we have a responsibility to be sanctified. Woo! Even just saying that. Sanctified. <laughs> yeah. Sanctification. It's a process every day, every hour, Every minute, sometimes every second, <laughs> of whereby we are becoming more and more like Christ. Depending upon the degree of the trial, depending on how hard the devil's hitting you, or that temptation is coming against you, you got to be sanctified. What does sanctified mean? Set apart. We set ourselves apart from that. Set apart from that sin. Wait a minute. And that's why it says, Wait a minute, if you died to that, how can you live any longer in it? Right? And that's what he's saying? He said, wait a minute, you died to that. How can you live any longer in that sin? Wow. Put to death, verse 5, verse, verse five again in Colossians chapter 3. 
Oh, well, go back up to, to three. You know how these preachers do. They just keep looking. Verse two says, <laughs> set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. That's the hard thing. Now, there's, therein is the battle. Because we're in this world, we're living in this world, we're always being bombarded by the things, so we've got to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, though, tells us, For you died and your life is hidden in Christ, in, in, uh, with Christ in God. Now, that is a wonderful thing. Hold on to that. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Does that sound pretty, pretty secure? They take the Oscars, you know, and they vote, and they say that they're with Price House, Farmers House Union, whatever, whoever they are. They put it with a certain place, and they lock it up and keep it sealed until the day, and then it's opened up, and then they say, and the winner is, and it's you know, supposed to be sealed. I'm going to tell you something. If my life is hidden and sealed, protected, surrounded, and hidden with Christ... In God, who can break into that? Right? There's my security right there, okay? So he, he tells us, he says, so um, for you died. You died. We died with Christ on the cross, and God declared us to be righteous, and God's going to protect what he declares, right? And says your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now listen to verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, since you died and you don't have a life anymore. Some people say, man, I don't even have a life. Good. You died, right? You died. Everybody say, I died. I died. You died. And so you don't have a life anymore. That life is gone, okay? But he says, uh, for you died and your life is now hidden with, God in, with Christ in God, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So there's a promise that says that he's your life, and when he appears, you're going to appear with him in glory. He promises us not only justification and to help us with sanctification, but some glorification. We're going to be glorified with him. Amen? So then he tells us, here it is, verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put it to death. If you died and you feel a part of that still alive, then put it to death. So let's say you used to be an alcoholic. And so, um, but you died. So now you're not an alcoholic anymore, right? Until old Jack shows up. And, and, or Jim. And some of y'all that drink, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, I'm just looking around to see who identifies with Jack, who knows Jack's last name, or middle name, and who knows Jim's middle name. When they show up, what do you do? Well, hi, buddy. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm doing pretty good. We can sit down and talk for a little while. I have just one little Jack Daniels. Just mix it with some Coke. That'll weaken it down. That won't be so bad. Now, wait a minute. You died. You died. What are you doing with that? Right? If you were dead up here in your casket and we were doing your funeral and you drank yourself to death on Jack Daniels or Jim Bean or Southern Comfort or Wild Turkey or whatever it is that <laughs> floats your boat, you know, you say, Pastor, how do you know all that stuff? When I died. <laughs> I died. <laughs> sure glad I, I wasn't. I, I was still alive when I was cutting my wisdom teeth because me and Wild Turkey curled up on the couch and <laughs> we got through some of that. <laughs> but it says your life was hidden. So he says, wait a minute, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you. Uh, also with, will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put it to death. Say, wait a minute. No, no, no. That, you got you to run. 
you got to get away from there. You got to leave your coat like Joseph did and get out of there because, nope, it's, you're too sensitive to it. See, when we do outreach and stuff, and, and sometimes we'll do at these biker rallies and stuff, there's some people that can't, can't go some places that other people can go because that part's not quite dead. It's still kicking. And it's just too much of a temptation, and they can't overcome that temptation, so they need to run from it. But they don't mean that, that they judge somebody that can or whoever can judges that other person. No, no judging into it. It's just you do what you got to do to stay alive. <laughs> we just stay in we just we just staying alive, you know. <laughs> okay, so, but it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to, to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God's coming. And if you don't think that the wrath of God will come on you, well, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but you go back into those old things, and the wrath of God will slap you around. It'll knock you down, not you. you won't be in the Philadelphia church. You'll be in the Sardis church, the one that says, uh-oh. Uh, and that's the ones he comes as a thief in the night. They go into the tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation says that this comes this great innumerable company, which no man can number. It says that they, they had robes, but they had to wash their robes. And all they had was palm branches. They didn't have crowns to cast at his feet. They had palm branches. That, and all, their song wasn't the song of high praise and worship. Theirs was just salvation belongs to our God because the only thing that they got was salvation. Because they didn't reckon, they didn't count on themselves. They didn't die to those areas. Anybody know any Christians like that? Don't raise your hand or write their names down. <laughs> Just pray for them. Because there's probably some of them sitting in here today. You know, that, that we don't count those things to be dead. Verse 8, but now you must rid yourself of all these things. Anger will make you drink again. <laughs> or whatever. I'll just use that since we started on it. But it could, whatever your substance is. And it could be pornography, adultery, you know, drugs, alcohol, uh, whatever. But anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self. With his practices, you've taken off your old self. He, and he uses this kind of like as a set of clothes. You took off your old self and its practices. You don't practice what you used to practice. You don't do that anymore. And he says, and have put on the new self. Put, yeah, the, the Christian life is a put on. So oh, that's just a put on. You, you bet. I got to put on Christ, man. I got to put on love because I got to deal with you every day. <laughs> Speak the truth in love. <laughs> you know, I got, I got to put on compassion. I got to put on these things, right? It says, and have put on the new self, which is being. Everybody say being. being. Isn't that a process? Remember the old bumper sticker that says, uh, be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet or something like that which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We're being renewed in the image of the creator. It's a process. And some of us need a lot of help in some of these areas. We might be really good in some areas, and we might be it might be really a challenge in other areas, and you might be really good in that particular area that I'm having a challenge in, and I might be really great over here in this area where you're having a challenge in. And all we do is sit around and then judge each other. No, that's not what it's all about. Well, you're strong. You've got to help your, your weaker brother. Or they're weak, help them out. Where you're weak, let, you know, let them help you out. So it says, uh, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, you died to it, so take it off. You know, when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, and Lazarus had been dead for how many days? About four days or so. And so Jesus said, when he came out, he spoke, he yelled. You know why he yelled? Because he was like, I don't want to get no closer. Thinks. No, he yelled. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he took a step back. And when Lazarus came out and the wind was blowing, Jesus said, whew, loose him. 
and let him go. <laughs> Take off those grave clothes. They stink. And it said a little bit later on in another chapter, Lazarus is sitting with Jesus at the table and they're eating dinner. Now, you know Lazarus had a shower <laughs> before he went to have supper or Jesus wouldn't be sitting that close to him because he stunk. Because even his sister said, oh, Lord, by now he, stink, he stinketh. I like the King James. He stinketh. That's beyond stinking. That's beyond smelling bad. That's beyond that you need to open deodorant. That's stinketh. He, I mean, that is some ranch, raunchy stuff, you know. He, and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Take off the grave clothes. He don't need grave clothes anymore. Put on some grace clothes because we're going to have celebration. We're going to eat some dinner here, and that's what we need to do. You, you, want, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, so don't live in it any longer. Take those things off. When I've talked about this thing about justification and sanctification before, there is a practice in back in that culture that particular day, and if you... Um, you were guilty of murder, then they would take that corpse, that dead corpse, and they would strap it to you. They'd put that dead corpse on you, strap it to you, and that was your punishment. So as that dead corpse would rot and get filled with maggots and rotting skin and all that stuff, it would begin to eat into the person that was carrying it around. And it would begin to consume not only the dead body, but that live body that was carrying it around to the point that that person became very sick and ill and eventually died itself. So that was the illustration that Paul was saying, put off the old man, the dead man, get rid of it, be cleansed and walk in a newness of life. Keep walking around with sin on your back. You know, it eats into you. And it destroys you. The wages of sin is death. Death is separation. It separates you from God. You can be saved and still sin. <gasps> what you talking about, Pastor? I think I like it now. <laughs> no, I don't give you a license to sin. John said, if you say you have no sin, you lie and you deceive yourself. You know, we sin when we want our own will instead of God's will. That's iniquity. That's sin. We sin when we anger against our brother or our sister. We sin when we fail to forgive one another for whatever it was. When we harbor bitterness in our hearts, that's sin. It's sin when we don't give of our, of our finances the way we're supposed to give. It's sin. We all have sin in our life. That, what does that do? That separates us from God in a, in a degree. It separates us from the blessings of God that he had for us. If we were living and we were overcoming those areas, then there's a reward for that. Not our salvation. Salvation is not a reward. Salvation is a free gift. And he declares us to be righteous based upon what Jesus did, not what, not what we did. Now, sanctification is the process whereby I become more and more like him. I go from glory to glory, and I get these things in my life, I get them right. And I become more like him. Every day I become more and more like him, you know? And that's what our goal is, is to become more and more like him. Who are you? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How's that working for you? Pretty good sometimes. Is that what you say? How do we live this life? It's tough, but it's dying to ourselves. And the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Every day I have to die to something else in my life. I find out that that part of this old nature, this old part of me is still alive, and I have to die to that and put it off and deal with it and put it off till I'm not walking in that anymore. I'm walking in a newness of life. I'm walking in a new area of life. People say, man, you're not like you used to be. Thank God. Thank God that I'm not like I used to be. So he says, and, and put, on this new, you're, put on the new self, which is being, B-E-I-N-G, being renewed in knowledge in the image of, of the creator. Well, so our position is, is that uh, we are in Christ. 
He's declared us to, be, to have overcome all these things. God has. So we need to make it real in our life. You know, as we look back, we, say that we see that we died with Christ there in Colossians 2.20. We died with Christ. We died to the basic principles of this world. So why are we going to want to live in them anymore? Don't submit to its rules or, or to its cravings any longer. Christ not only died for us, that's substitution, the doctrine of substitution. He not only died for us, but we died with him. That's identification. We identify with his death. Therefore, God accepts his death for our death. He accepts our, our payment for sin already taken care of. We identify with Christ. But Christ not only died for sin, bearing its penalty, he died for sin, right? And he bore the penalty of sin. But he died unto sin, which is also breaking the power of sin. He did, he, listen to that again. He, he didn't die only unto, he, he didn't die, or he died for sin, which has paid the penalty for sin, but he also died unto sin, which broke it, the power of sin. So the power of sin really no longer has any power over me. I have greater power than the sin that would come against me if I exercise it. But sometimes we love it. We, we, we tolerate it. And we don't say, get out of here, or we don't change things, and we entertain it, and the more that we draw closer to it, the more risky it's going to be. Because we are in Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit, because it, there in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, I tell you, the Spirit of God's heavy up here. It's just about, the, just that, about speaking tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says that by one spirit we've been placed into the body. So because of what that we are in Christ, placed in Christ by the Holy Spirit, then the way God sees us is that we died with Christ. We, when he died, we died with him. And you need to see yourself up on that cross that you died. When he died, you died with him on that cross. That means that you can have victory over the old sin nature that wants to control you. You can have that victory over that part of that sin nature that wants to control you. Don't say, well, I just can't help myself. Well, you're not yourself anymore. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory, right? So where do you go? Where are you going to go? You, know, you go to him. You go to Christ. Christ Jesus, help me in this. I want to walk in a newness of life. Holy Spirit, help me. And you begin to cry out to him, and he has protection for you. The, uh, Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 6, verse 2, he says, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? That's the question. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer in it? He also says there in, in Romans chapter 6, he says, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall I keep on sinning so that I can show how good God's grace is? He said, God forbid. And that's where he says, how shall ye that are dead to sin live any longer in it? Don't, you don't live in it any longer. Don't entertain that anymore. You know, God wants us to change from glory to glory. You have victory, 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 victory. And when you, get, when you conquer that thing, then you'll say, well, I think I got it down okay. That's really not that bad a deal. I see other people doing, you're not supposed to be seeing other people. You're supposed to be seeing who Jesus is. Are you becoming like other people or are you supposed to be becoming like Christ? So, where are you now? Are you raised with Christ? Sure we are. That's, that's the way God sees that we are raised with Christ. You have been raised with Christ. So what happened at the resurrection? We got a new life. There's this word that's, that's used. It's one of those $1.50 words. It's revivification, and I didn't stutter. R-E-V-I-V-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Revivification. It means simply to give new life to. 
That's where you get the word revive. That's where the old timers got that word revival. You know, have new life. Even if you're born again and you have been declared to be alive, we need to be revived to that new life. We need that. And so, um, you know, by Christ, his life, he gives us new life. And we ought to have that every day. That doesn't mean that you're getting saved every day. It means that you're, you're becoming more like him every day. And we're becoming more his, his bride without spot or blemish. They're fading away. You know, they take Esther when she went in, they'd scrub, 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 scrub. And they did that, you know, they scrub you and oil you up and all those things and get rid of all the blemishes and stuff to, to make, uh, make her just beautiful, you know, and prepared for the king. Well, sometimes there's a little, few more spots that need a little scrubbing than others, right, you know? And um, some of us need a little more scrubbing than the others. The only other place that, that the Greek actually uses this, this phrase about that we are raised up with Christ is in Ephesians 2, 6. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, so we had this substitution that, that uh, Jesus was, his life and his death was a substitute for our life and our death. And so we identify with him in this. In, in Colossians chapter 2, back up just a little bit further to verse 9 through 15. Verse 9, it says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Now, this is good, some good stuff. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. How big is God? He, he spoke and the universe came into existence. And in Christ, it says, all the fullness of the deity, of the Godhead, lives in bodily form. Wow. But that's just verse 9. Verse 10, it says, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Y'all ain't getting this. I don't think you're getting this today. He says, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Well, I can't do this. And I can't, you know, I just can't overcome that, this, this habit. Or I can't do this and I can't do that. And I can't. Shut, shut up. <laughs> I, I'm going to find a translation that has that in it, but. I mean, if you have the, the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form in Christ Jesus and we are in Christ and Christ is in us, then the fullness, it says in verse 10, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Wow, you've got, that means everything that we need to do what we need to do is in Christ. It says, who is the head over every power and authority. It just gets better, people. Listen, let me read 9 and 10 together. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. So if he is over every power and authority, and we've been given the fullness that's within him, where does that put every power and authority in this universe in relationship to us, under us, under the authority that we have. Oh, I, I don't know if you're catching this or not. I'm talking about living and overcoming life. Because we say, I can't, I can't. But the overcomer says, I will, I am, I'm doing it. It's going to happen. All I got to do is reach down a little bit deeper because the fullness is there. It's in there somewhere to conquer this thing that I'm struggling with. My, my attitude here, there's something in there that can change this attitude. So I got to change it. I got to begin to let the fullness of God come out of me. You know, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Boy, that fullness of God is in us. So speak out of the fullness of God. Call those things that aren't as if they are. 
<laughs> Do, are you seeing it? We say, well, but I just, I just don't know. That just sounds so out there. It, it is. It's, it's really way out there. I mean, because it's so far. It's the fullness of God, but yet it's, he took it all and he says, and he put it within the capacity of our spirit. Man, because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. What? The hope, the expectation of glory, of full manifestation of glory. We need to be calling some glory down. I'm about to preach myself happy. I'm about to preach revival to me. I mean, it, it just, it's just amazing. And we get away from this. We hear this, and then it's like we know it, and we identify with it when we hear it, but we walk out and we get slapped in the face. The devil throws something at us, and we just say, <laughs> For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Verse 11, in him you were also circumcised, separated in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done with the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. We've been set apart. We've got a covenant with God and the fullness of God rests in us. All power and authority uh, is beneath us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Who are we? We are the body of Christ. And no weapon that's formed against us shall prosper. When I recognized who I was October 2013, I came alive. And I was saying, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, meaning the fullness of God dwells in here. And it's greater than anything else that's trying to put me down. Verse 13 of Colossians 2. Pretty good little book, isn't it? You can read this faster than you can read some of your text messages that you get or, or some emails that you get. Verse 13. When you were dead in your sin and in the uncircumcision of, of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. With Christ. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code which was uh, with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15, and having disarmed, everybody say disarmed. disarmed. What does disarmed mean? You take away the power, and you take away the weapons. And having disarmed the powers and authorities... Satan is a toothless lion. He might be roaring, but he doesn't have a bite. He's been disarmed. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And when he triumphed over them by the cross, who died with him? We did. Who rose with him? We did. So does that mean that we triumph over him as well? Amen. And when Christ disarmed him, he disarmed him and he's still disarmed. Wow. Germany was a bad nation because they had a bad leader. They weren't all bad people, but they allowed a bad leader to come to power. And after World War II, they disarmed Germany and said, you can't you can't have an army like that anymore. Same way with Japan. Because it's in a certain treaty. Jesus said, you ain't coming after my kids no more with the kind of weapons that you have because you don't have those weapons anymore. I'm taking them away from you. And so when Satan jumps out and says, boo, <laughs> just say, boo yourself. You look more like a booger than I do. <laughs> I mean, who, are, who do you think you are? You old disarmed thing, you? You ain't got nothing. <laughs> you have not got nothing. He's got Nerf guns. <laughs> you know, 
Nerf guns, that's it. That's all he got. You know, it's nothing. <laughs> he triumphed over them by the cross. You know, he delivered us from this life of sin that was wrought by sin. Wrought. We don't use that word. I'm not talking about R-O-T. I'm talking about what the W, like wrought iron. What is wrought iron? Iron, come on, somebody, iron workers. What, what's wrought iron? It's iron that's been hammered and, and beat into a particular shape and twisted or whatever. You know, you get a wrought iron gate fence and they beat it, hammer it, put, put heat to it, twist it, and form it and fashion it into a particular way, right? They wrought that iron out. Sin rots you. It, it, it rots you, R-O-T's you, but it also will bend you and fashion you and make you into a character that you should not be. But we have been delivered from that, and now we are fashioned unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been set free from that. So the old things that you were fashioned to do, the old habits that used to have you and had fashioned you and had built you and had hammered on you and forged you into a particular image, that's gone away with. <laughs> Somebody ought to get excited. Y'all are just too saved to enjoy this this morning. <laughs> I need some sinners to preach to this morning. Somebody be excited about this. In, in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We get to live a new life. The old has passed away. The new has come. We get to live a new life. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. And it can start today. Say, so, You know what? Yeah, yesterday's gone. Today, I'm living a new life, a new life right now. Man, I got a lot more. I got a lot more. That's why it's a series. Living this overcoming life, people, it starts by recognizing our position, who we are, who we are in this thing. You are a child of God. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You have been delivered from the fashion and how you were molded and the habits that formed and fashioned and hammered you into a particular character. You've been separated from that and now you are being fashioned into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks down, He sees Jesus in you. So why shouldn't we become who He wants us to become? Oh, we got to stop. I'm about to work up a sweat. <laughs> but I, I want you to, to realize that you've been raised with Christ. That you died with him, but you've been raised with Christ. When you've been raised, that resurrection comes with, a, with, it comes with blessings and it comes with authority. It comes with a position of who you are. But you've got to die to yourself. You say, well, I did that. I, I received Jesus. Yeah, but... Okay, but every day you need to die to yourself. What is it in you, in your life right now, that's kicking your tail around and trying to pull you down and hold you back from living the overcoming life that you need to live? What is it? Get it in your sights. Zero in on that thing or those things. What's holding you back? Where have you settled in your life, negotiated at the table uh, of, of the devil where he's come and he's trying to, you know, kind of work out this thing with you. He's plea bargaining with you. He'll give you a little bit of this if you just, you know, settle for... Now, nah, you, don't, you don't negotiate with him. He's been disarmed. He can talk to your lawyer. That's your, that's your advocate, Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's at the judge's throne. He's making intercession for you. You don't have to talk to what the devil has to say. He can just talk to Jesus. He can talk to the judge and discuss it there. You've been set free. Well, what is it that's holding you back? I want you to see that right now and realize that you're, you died to that thing. That's not you anymore. That's not you. Don't let it reattach itself to you. Maybe you've just never seen yourself of really dying. 
on the cross just as Christ died on the cross. You know, he died, but he had to show them the wounds, the scars for them to believe that it was him. Because of this glory, some people might not recognize you tomorrow. Who are you? Who is this person? Who are you? You're not like you were, like you used to be. That's right, man. I'm not. Thank God I'm not like I used to be. I'd, I'd beat you to death if I was like I used to be. Better be glad I'm not like I used to be. Jesus has changed me. I'm alive in him. He's alive in me. And see, Jesus is alive in you. You are raised with him. Raised with him. Do you, if you really honestly believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then you've got to see yourself as rising up with him as a new creation. So I want you to get that in mind. I want you to get that focus today of where you need to die to some things in your life. What is it that you need to die to? And then I want you to see those things and just, just like that you're just ripping those things away and throwing them away, just throwing them away on a, a burn pile, just casting those things away. They're not part of you anymore. Some of them might hurt. Some, you know, some of those things, you rip them loose, they hurt. But there's healing balm in Jesus. Now, when you see those things, I want you to say, I am dead to those things. Say it with me. I am dead to those things. I died to those things. I'll not give place to it any longer. I am an overcomer. The fullness of the deity. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in me. The greater one is in me. I am an overcomer. And I overcome these things. In Jesus' name.